The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Well, Donald G. James is the author of Manners Will Take You Where Brains and Money Won't, Wisdom from Mama and 35 Years at NASA. Inspired by the overwhelming reaction to the 1986 Space Shuttle Challenger tragedy, Donald James decided to make a career at NASA. And he's on the line with us here just now, and we've fixed out all the technology. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm superb, Toby. Thanks, and I'm so happy to be connected to you. I appreciate this opportunity. Yes, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So what was it about the Space Shuttle Challenger that inspired you to have a career at NASA? Because I would have thought it would maybe put you off a bit. Yes, it's a great question. After the Challenger accident happened, um, I was asked by the head of NASA education to go around the country with the backup astronaut to the teacher that died on the Challenger. If you remember, there was a school teacher that we had selected. Her name was Krista McCullough. And NASA decided that because there was so much outpouring of grief around the loss of the teacher, uh, they asked the backup astronaut to the teacher. Her name was Barbara Morgan from the state of Idaho to go around and talk to teachers and students. And I was asked if I would help her do that. I was in uh, public affairs at the time. And Toby, I can't tell you how profound that experience was. We would go to these events and there's hundreds of teachers and students and they all wanted to connect with NASA and connect with the teacher. And there was one specific thing that really caused me to say, I want to stay working at NASA. I was at an event in Los Angeles, and usually what happens is that Barbara would give a talk, and everybody would rush the dais to try to get an autograph from her. And my job was to stand at the side and wait for a while, then I have to hustle her away to go to our (laughs) flight. And this one little kid, he's probably about 11 years old, he came up to me with his notebook and a pen, And I'm thinking he wants me to help him get an autograph. And I said, well, go ahead and get in line. I won't take her away until she autographs your book. And he looked at me and he says, no, I want your autograph. And I said, my autograph? Why do you want my autograph? I'm not the astronaut. She's the astronaut. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, but you work for NASA. And that is just (laughs) so cool. And I thought, wow. 
if, if just because where I work, the space agency could have that kind of impact on people and young people, then I'm in. And I made a commitment then and there that I was going to dedicate my career at NASA. And ultimately, I became the head of NASA education to try to inspire as many students as possible. So that's how I stayed and why how Challenger affected that. It must make you quite proud to have worked at NASA because I don't think it's paralleled anywhere else in the world. It's such a big institution. The closest we've got is maybe the NHS or the BBC. But NASA... Is even greater than that. I don't know if it's greater or not. I mean, I'm I'm very. Um, I think the institutions that you have there are wonderful. I've had the mm. privilege of being there. I, I studied at Cambridge for one summer. I visited the UK Space Agency, and they have a proud history. Of, of space exploration. But I can tell you, for me, it was a privilege to work for a lot of very smart people doing wonderful things for the benefit of humanity and knowledge. Yeah. And that's that's what really inspired me. You were Associate Administrator for Education. What right. did you actually do in that job? Yeah, well, you know, that's a great question. So that means that I work for the NASA Administrator, and the NASA Administrator was appointed by the President. In this case, it was President Obama. And then, um, so it's kind of like a vice president in a corporation, if you will. So I was in charge of all of NASA's education programs. Basically what I did is that I made sure that NASA had money in order to fund intern programs, in order to give grants to schools and grants to states. Um, But mostly what I did that I really enjoyed was going around the country to schools and organizations and talking about how important it is for students uh, to be to consider a career in the space program, whether it was with NASA or some other agency. And I was even proud that under my tenure, we created an international intern program where we were able to figure out how to have students from other countries intern at NASA. You can imagine being a United States government agency. It was kind of difficult to do so. Um, but we, I was proud to do that because space is global and space is international. And so it was really cool. I, I really liked it. I still like it. And I've been retired <laughs> for five years and I, I still get excited when I talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're wearing all the NASA clothes still as well. Yeah. I got my <laughs> NASA clothes on, you know, I'm all fired up. Was it quite easy to convince young people to get involved in NASA or hard? Because maybe on the one hand, it sounds cool and exciting yeah. working for space, but then maybe on the other hand, some people people might think it's a bit hard. You've got to maybe study hard and it's a lot of graft. Yeah, well, Toby, that's the good news because (laughs) I'm a walking example that you don't have to be a genius to work at NASA. I was reasonably (laughs) smart, but I wasn't a straight A student and I didn't, you know, I'm not off the charts and all that. I was smart enough to get in. But, but I tell students, and this is the reason I wrote the book that you see in the background about manners, is that I tell students that Um, how you show up in the world and how you show up to the world, your manner of being, your presence, how you connect with people is very important, maybe even more important than your intelligence. As a matter of fact, what I tell students is being smart isn't good enough because I know a lot of smart people at NASA who lost their jobs or got reassigned to some place that nobody ever heard of because they just didn't get along really well. They didn't appreciate that their manner of being 
was a turnoff to people rather than a turn on to people. And so I use myself as an example of saying, yeah, there's lots of aspects of NASA that is hard. It's hard to be an astronaut. It's hard to be an astrophysicist. You know, you have to have the grades and all that to do that. Uh, I mean, NASA is never going to hire you because you have great manners. Let me get that <laughs> straight right now. But they, but you may not get a job. You don't have good manners, even if you are smart. And in my case, I know for a fact that my manner of how I showed up in my interview made all the difference in the world because they told me it did. Yeah. So I, I really wanted to share with students uh, who always ask me, well, how do you get to work at NASA? What do you have to do? And you have to be a genius and all that. And I said, no, you don't have to to be a genius. You do have to be smart about what you do to a, to a degree. But more importantly, it's so important to be authentic and, and have a way of connecting with people that people want to help you. And sometimes I see people and I meet people and I say, I don't care what that person knows how to do. I would hire that person tomorrow because they have great manners and I can teach them technical skills they'll need. So, yeah, I think anybody could do it. It's true, isn't it? Because when I was at school and we were taught about doing a job interview, most of it really was about presentation, you know, dressing up smart and making eye contact and yes. having good manners, you know, shaking the interviewer's hand. Yes. Hardly any of it was actually about answering the questions. Well, you know, what I suggest to all people who are interested in this topic is, first of all, you're always interviewing. You see, mm. I think the interview actually starts before you get in the room and you're face to face with somebody. You get a sense about people and they know you that you might have a reputation or people who are going to interview you. Let's say they're going to interview Toby, right? Say, hey, Toby's just, we're going to hire him to work a, to be a senior correspondent for BBC. Well, they're going to talk to your friends and say, what kind of guy is that Toby guy? Oh, he's a friendly guy. He's really good. You know, let's, let's talk to Don James and see what he thinks about it because I happen to know somebody, right? So yeah. your, your reputation comes before you. So the interview really starts before you get into the room. And so, yes, there's little things that you could do in the interview that can make or break you, right? Uh, but a lot of times it's just your presence and, and not a phony way, but just in a very natural way. And, and I, I, I devote a whole chapter to interviewing because I think that's really critically important. Yeah. Yeah. Could there be a negative side of this? Because maybe, completely hypothetically, of course, people could be persuaded by somebody who is very charming, very polite, but incompetent at the job they want. Absolutely. We call those people con men, right? Mm. They con you. They're so charming and they're so wonderful. And yet, like I say, it's like they're an actor in a movie, right? And you just yeah. love that person. But when the when the movie's over and the credits roll, you look at that person, you find out who they really are. It says, "Oh my God, that person's really an ogre." I mean, <laughs> why would I? You know, how did I get seduced into that? I'll give you a great example. There was a famous case in the United States of a man who swindled a lot of money on a lot of people. His name was mm. Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff was smart. He wasn't stupid. Bernie Madoff was charming. He had a good manner about him. And he would come to you and say, Toby, I can make you a lot of money. And you say, wow, you're really smart. And he shows you all the documentation. The problem was he was actually a criminal. He had a Ponzi scheme where he was taking money from people and then paying off the people at the top of the pyramid and then he until it fell apart. So there is a danger in that. So I am I that's why I say there's a virtuous component to manners, meaning that 
you you don't learn this skill to try to get over on somebody. You learn this skill to be your natural self for good, that, that you do it for good reasons. And so, uh, but your point is very well taken. Yeah. And, and you have to be careful not to be seduced by somebody who really is a con person, right? I mean, we, we get that all the time. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. What a suitable second name Bernie made off when he made off with everyone's money. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he really did. And he hurt a lot of people. And he knew it. He knew he was doing wrong. He may have thought at the beginning that, well, it's okay to do it. But eventually, it catches up to you, right? So if you're the kind of person that has bad manners and are not really polite and you do a lot of bad things, you may get away with it for a long time. But I think eventually it will catch up to you, Um, even though there's examples of people that I think have bad manners. But by some definitions, people say they're successful. And I just look at the values that they espouse and I say, those values don't align with my values. So I I really do believe that's important. So your book is called Manners Will Take You Where Brains and Money Won't, Wisdom from Mama and 35 Years at NASA. What was it that actually prompted you to write the book? I was giving a speech at NASA about a month or about a month after I retired. I was invited to come back and speak to the group of summer interns that were working at a NASA facility in California. And at the end of my talk, I was talking about my career and the trajectory and the things that I did and all this stuff. A young man asked me, he said, well, Mr. James, if you could go back to when you were an intern first starting off, but knowing what you know now, how would you advise yourself? And I said, that's a great question. I thought about it for a few seconds. I said, I think I would tell my younger self Please remember the advice your mother, meaning my mother, always gave you, which was that phrase. She always said, honey, manners will take you where brains and money won't. She said, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Your manners are more important than your intelligence and your brains. It doesn't matter how rich you are. Your manners are more important. And I think I intuitively knew that, which is why I think I was able to be successful. But I wish I had learned it earlier because I think I would have not made some of the mistakes that I made early in my career. I started to write the book uh, because two months after I gave that talk, my mother unexpectedly died. And I was looking for a way of honoring my mother and the legacy that she left me. And I thought about that talk. And that was the beginning of of writing this book uh, that I did with my brother. And if you were to put percentages on it, how much of your success in your career would you put down to your manners? And how much would you put down to brains or money or competence? I would say at least 50%. And I mean that. Um, you, as you know, my brother is an airline pilot. And as he says, you have to know how to fly the plane. Let's not kid (laughs) ourselves. You can't, like, like I said, NASA is not going to hire you. If you go into interviews and why should we hire you? Toby says, Oh, I got great manners. I learned that from Mr. James. He says, well, see you later, pal. They want to know, you know, do you have leadership abilities? Can you work an Excel sheet? Do you know how to understand financial spreadsheet? You have to know certain things. There's a job requirement. I'm talking about how you progress in your career and in your life. I know people that just got stopped in their career, and I know why they got stopped. It wasn't because they were stupid. It's because they didn't know how to cultivate um, their manners in a way that people wanted to help them. And people wanted to help me, I think, uh, as I got 
higher in my in my career because they knew they could trust me. I had integrity. I did what I said I was going to do. And if I couldn't do it, I would acknowledge that. If I made a mistake, I owned up the mistake. I didn't lie. And I, I was honest and, and I, I, I did the things that I felt were, were the right things to do. And so I, I, I put a lot of weight on that in terms of how I got to where I was. I mean, it, when I applied for my job as associate administrator for NASA, I competed against 84 other people. Wow. Four of them were NASA astronauts. Four wow. were NASA astronauts. So I asked. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ask you a NASA astronaut clearly is far smarter than I am. They all are. They're they're off the charts smart. They all went to MIT. They went to whatever they did. And yet they chose me. Why did they chose me? Well, they told me why. And they said, well, we really don't think we need an astronaut and what astronauts bring to the table for this job now. We need somebody who can inspire and motivate their own people and cultivate a great relationship with Congress in order to get funding and things of that nature. And they saw those qualities in me based on my reputation and history. And so I put a lot of weight on it and I felt so strongly about it. I said, I, I wanna write this and, and give this, my wisdom to people for them to look at and see if it works for them. And I think it's global. And I've asked people from all over the world and many of them agree. And they say, yeah, I think these are these are important traits. Was 
working for NASA as glamorous as it sounds? Well, parts of it were. I would say about 20% of it was. But Toby, the truth is, it's sort of like your household. You know, you got to <laughs> do the dirty dishes. You got laundry. There's a lot of housekeeping things. I didn't particularly like having to defend my budget for my organization because mm. it's tedious. There's some politics that are involved. Uh, I mean, the first year that I I became, um, I think maybe a couple of years into my tenure, the administration decided to completely zero out the budget. And I worked for the administration. So in theory, I had to defend it, but mm. I was able to, to do it carefully so I didn't get in trouble. But I really didn't want to have no money, organization, yes. right? Um, so there's a lot of crap work you have to do. Um, you have personnel matters, right? I mean, I had very smart people in my organization. And one day, the two of them got into a fight, not not a physical fight, but it was it was a, a, a kind of altercation that was not appropriate for the organization. And I got called out of the meeting and I had to intervene immediately. And you would think, wow, people are NASA, why would they be fighting? Well, people, you know, people are people, Toby. Yeah. And, and so that's the kind of stuff that I didn't particularly like. But I love the part where I could I could go around the world and and give talks and 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 represent NASA and inspire students. And I have evidence that some things that I have done have inspired people to come into NASA, and I'm very proud of that. About how many times a week, on average, would somebody make the terrible joke, it's not rocket science? <laughs> yeah, probably uh, every day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, in a way, it's kind of an interesting standard, right, when you think about rocket science and how particularly difficult it is. And the only reason it's difficult is that a lot has to go correctly in order for your rocket not to blow up, right? Yes. And so uh, the science of rocketry, which really has to do with how do you get um, an object with mass off the Earth to escape gravity and to do something useful in orbit. Well, there's a lot of things that go involved in that. There's a lot of mathematics. There's a lot of calculus. There's a lot of physics. And so you have to have people to know how to put it all together. So I'm okay with that as a standard, but you know, I think that if people actually look deeply into what rocket science really is, it's fascinating, you know, and you can learn a lot from that. But a lot of things are hard to do, Toby. Interpersonal relationships are hard to do. Um, we may say it's not rocket science, but ask the people who are lonely. I was just listening to the your previous interview about the the the, the about the boy story the guy was talking about, and it's really true. You know, I mean, you know, you would think it would be easy to have great relationships and not be alone. But the fact is, it's rampant and we have a lot of problems in the world because of that. That's hard to get that right. So I don't want to say that that the ultimate hard thing is rocket science. I think there's a lot of hard things. You know, climate issues are hard, right? Yes. Um, so, yeah. We've seen in the last year or two this idea of space tourism really take off yeah. for another bad joke. Yeah. That people like Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson and people like that are trying out. Does that excite you? You know, it does to an extent. I mean, I... I think it's inevitable that the only people who can pay for space tourism are very wealthy people. You know, they have their own rockets and things of that nature. Um, Richard Branson's another one. But I think um, I remind people that in the early days of aviation, back in the early 20th century, 
um, very wealthy people were the only ones who could fly planes or take flights. And yeah. it wasn't until we started using it to take mail to places and the military was using it for military purposes that the whole idea of aviation as we know it today is, is ever present. Well, that wasn't always the case. And so I'm hopeful, Toby, that the same will be true for uh, getting to space because now it's actually possible for many normal people, if you will, to get into space with a lot of luck and some sponsors, right? It's not, you don't have to spend $50 million to go to the space station on a Russian rocket. You know, you could spend a quarter of a million dollars, you know, to, to get suborbital flights. Well, that makes it a little bit more in reach for people. And then there's companies that are doing high altitude balloons where it's not really a rocket, but it does take you up to the edges of space where you can look out over the earth and see the dark sky. And so I think that's, uh, I think that's exciting. Um, I'm not sure I want to do it. I, I have, <laughs> all right. I have a confession, Toby. So the older I've gotten, the more afraid of heights. I, <laughs> I, I confess. And so some people used to ask me, they said, well, would you go up in space? I'm like, I'm not so sure I would, but that would be hard to turn down if I had an opportunity, but I don't yeah. know. It, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of afraid of heights. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd do it either. I think if it becomes a thing that's been around for ages, yeah, like how flying is now, yeah. I'd feel pretty safe and it'd probably excite me. Because, right. you know, I get on airplanes all the time and, you know, I like flying and so, but yeah, I, I think you're right. So I think it's going to be a while before it becomes so normal that, you know, people can say, hey, I'm going to, you know, fly to London from Los Angeles on a suborbital rocket and then come home the same day. I mean, I think that's, you know, very possible. Yeah. So I think tourism is going to be uh, one of the next big things with res- with respect to space exploration. Uh, we'll see. Um, yeah. I, unfortunately, I think there's going to be accidents and I think people are going to get killed. Um, and the question is, how do we respond to that? Do we shy away and say well, we're never going to do that or are we just going to keep going? Because a lot of people got killed in the early parts of aviation. Those planes would just crash yeah. for no reason at all. And we, we didn't stop flying then. Yeah, it's remarkable. If you look back at old family trees of like our royal family, there seems to be a really above average number of yeah. deaths from plane crashes. Yeah. And and that didn't stop them from flying or doing other things. And so uh, I think the same could happen for space tourism. And speaking of people like Jeff Bezos and Richard Uh Branson and other entrepreneurs, how much of their success do you think is down to their manners and how much is down to their brains and coming up with a really good business idea? That's probably one of the smartest questions I've had doing hundreds of interviews because (laughs) On the outside, looking in, you could argue, okay, you got people like Bezos and Elon Musk and Richard Branson, and you know, I'm not sure about their manners and all that stuff. Um, I would say this: they are entrepreneurs and they're business people with some savvy. Um, I don't really know a lot of their history. I do know this about Jeff Bezos because I heard him say this at a conference that I attended. He started Amazon for the purpose of making a lot of money in order for him to go to space. He actually said that. Wow. I didn't know that. I thought he started Amazon because he wanted to sell books online and he figured out a way of doing it. He said, well, I did that because I wanted to get rich in order to do space flight. So now he has the origin. 
Um, and Branson, I don't know him that well, other than, you know, he's a very iconoclastic individual with an interesting personality and he's been in a lot of businesses and, you know, and so I, I give them credit for their technical savvy and all of that. Um, and they must have some kind of manner in order to convince investors at the early stages of their career to invest in what they're doing. Um, I can say that I've, I've come in contact with a few wealthy people. And the thing that I'm impressed with is how I feel that they showed up to me person to person seemed different than the persona that I imagined them to be through the television or the newspapers. Um, Bill Gates is a person that comes in mind. I've seen and interacted with Bill Gates and he's just kind of a regular guy, you know, there's nothing, <laughs> you know, special about him. And so I, 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 people have asked me, says, well, you know, a lot of these people don't, I don't think have great manners and yet they've been successful. So my question is, well, if your goal is just to be very rich, and very wealthy, I say, fine, go ahead and do that. My question is, and I write about this in the book, along your way to being rich and wealthy, you know, what have you done for humanity that you're proud of? And if, if you can't point to anything, then I question your values and your priorities. Now, it's not up to me to be judged mental about it. I just say, I have a different point of view of that. Um, so I, I just ask people to consider, you know, that factor. Manners is not incompatible with being rich and wealthy. I, I, I think that you, you can do both and do it for, for good reasons, um, which is showing up authentically and, and, and using that authenticity to inspire people to show this is who you really are. And that's what I that's what I write about. So what are you up to now that you're retired? And what I really want to know is do you spend the whole time watching TV shows and movies about <laughs> space? Well, I don't do that. I probably don't watch as much TV shows and movies about space as I used as I used to. I mean, NASA actually helped <laughs> some movies in the past and that wow. and I was proud to have a little bit of role in a few of those. But um I I spend my time talking to a lot of students. See, I realized after I retired that my purpose in life now that I am in the last quarter, using an American football metaphor, the last quarter of my <laughs> life, I'm 65 years old, but I act like I'm 35 and my kids think I'm 12 sometimes. My purpose, my purpose now is to give. Give what I can in order to help other people. That's where I get inspiration from. If it, whether it's a student, I have, I have, I mentor young people all over the world. I have a young man in Oman in the Middle East to people in New York and Washington. And I'm very proud of that. And I, I say to them, look, I will share with you my knowledge and my ideas. It's up to you to decide if it's, if it works for you. You need to triangulate your information, check other sources. Um, and so I spend a lot of my time talking to students. Um, I'm also working on a workbook for the Manners book so people can actually do, I mean, like any skill, Toby, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to flip a switch and have great manners. You have to develop <laughs> a skill. You have to work at it. And so I'm developing a workbook for people to actually do things in order to craft their skill of manners. And, and I hope to get that out next year. Um, and I like video projects. I, I like to make videos of, of things and I edit videos and stuff like that. And I read. I like to read. 
And I watch, I, I, I confess, okay, I confess, I watch <laughs> Netflix and I get sucked into some Netflix shows. <laughs> but uh, I love being retired because, you know, I can do the day as I want to do it. And, um, and uh, but I, I'm, I, I appreciate that people are willing to listen to what I have to say and not necessarily take it, you know, as gospel. I, I, I don't want people to do that. I want I want to put something in front of somebody to have them take a look and see whether or not it makes sense to them. If manners as how I write it and how I talk about it, which is really broad, right? It's not a narrow thing. If if manners speaks to people and resonates, then I'm happy. If it doesn't, uh, go read something else that, that's helpful to them. So that's how I spend my time. I also try to walk a lot. That's where I get my, that's where I meditate when I go out and walk and enjoy nature and, um, and try to keep myself healthy. Well, where can we keep up to date with you? And of course, find the book. Thank you. So, uh, the book is available, of course, on Amazon. Thank you, Jeff Bezos, uh, yes. uh, and many and and other bookstores. Uh, it's in audiobook, which I had the privilege of uh, recording myself, which I am proud of. Uh, it's also an ebook, uh, electronic book, or you can get a paperback, just like the one you see behind me. Um, so that's how you can find the book. You can also uh, uh, go to my website, which is just my full name, DonaldGregoryJames.com, DonaldGregoryJames.com. And you'll see on the website uh, information about the book, a bio about myself, uh, links to places where you can buy the book, uh, get the ISBN number, however you want to do it. And I, I, I would ask that if any of your listeners uh, read the book, and I really hope you do, please contact me and tell me what you think. Um, my contact information is on the website, um, but my email is mannerswilltakeyou at gmail.com. So please email me. I answer all emails, and I would love to hear from people to hear what they think and give me their thoughts. Uh, so who knows? Maybe somebody will give me some ideas for a sequel. Ooh, yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, many thanks for joining us today. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you very, very much. And I, I appreciate you, Toby, and I appreciate your listeners. And uh, thank you, listeners, for, for taking a look at Manners. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Throbbing Pulse of Sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.